Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Toby Cudworth, once again sitting in as host in the absence of Scott Saunders, and I'm joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey. Graham, let's get the important stuff out of the way first. Uh, firstly, how are you feeling? Because you were a little worn down earlier in the week. And secondly, let's do the weather chat because Scott's not here. So let's do it. Yeah, um, I'm feeling a lot better. I'm hoping to get out for a bit of golf later on uh, myself. So I have been looking at the weather. We're meant to have a dry day in the north actually today. A little bit windy, but it's going to be fairly warm later on. So not blaming sunshine, but in the 20s, which um pretty good. Um, I think today might be the best day of the weekend or maybe tomorrow. But yeah, it's um no rain today, which is a, a plus point. Could you not have had that weather last weekend when England desperately needed it to stay dry to get back into the ashes? Yes, definitely. But hey, um, that's what you get for declaring too early, isn't it, Toby? Yes. Yeah. Although we won't talk about that. Um, (laughs) We are we're recording on Friday morning, incidentally, Uh, day two of the cricket. It's warm, overcast, very muggy here in the south. So the ball might be swinging around corners for England. But let's uh, let's not talk about cricket for too long. We're here to talk about transfers. Um, on the menu today, Harry Kane, Moises Caicedo, Rasmus Hoyland, Sofian Amrabat, and what Manchester United are looking to do. We're going to follow up on Kylian Mbappe and the interest he had from Saudi Arabia. We're going to talk Romeo, Lavia and Liverpool. We're going to talk Botello, Marco Verratti, and maybe a few other bits and pieces as well. But before we get underway, a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show on all of your major podcast platforms. And if you do want to follow us on social, you can do so at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey on Twitter. Graham, are you still doing threads? I know Scott asks you this all the time. Is threads still a thing? I am. When I do remember, I must admit, um, I need to find a... Because it was only on your phone to start with, I got into that habit. I think you can do it on website as well, which is where I do most of my tweeting from. So is it still tweeting? Probably. It'll always be so. tweeting to me. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I'm not sure. I have, I'm, I'm still not sure if I've just taken off that, that much, Toby. So I think, I think for me, it's a bit too similar. I don't see what you get from it that you don't get on Twitter. I think it's a bit too similar. Well, for that reason, I have still not joined. But if you do want to follow Graham on that, it's at Graham B. Bailey. Uh, for 90min, it's at 90min underscore football on all of our social channels and for the website 90min.com forward slash talking transfers, where you can read all of the stories that we're about to discuss today and any bits from the previous week. So, G, let's start, as we often do, with Harry Kane's future at Tottenham. There have been developments this week, I think it's fair to say. Uh, we reported earlier in the week that Bayern Munich was seeking a new meeting with Spurs over Kane. Um, that meeting set to happen today over the weekend. What is it that Bayern are looking to put forward to Kane this time around? Yeah, well, it might be a birthday cake for him, Toby. Happy 30th to <laughs> Mr. Kane today. So, yeah, you do, you, do, you do wonder whether they were maybe being a bit coy with the thing. Oh, now he's turned 30. Do we do we lower our offer, Toby? You know, from a 29-year-old to a 30-year-old. That used to be a thing, didn't it? It's, it doesn't feel like it's so much now because you see a lot of players going over the age of 30 for, for good money. But... You're right. Yeah, that could be a reason why Bayern have been stalling. Not, not so much for Kane because I think his injury records even has got much better in the, in the last few years. So I don't think it's a massive concern for him. Um, yet the young Christian Dreesen and the technical director Marco Neppi are both joining joining England on as we as we're talking now. They probably are literally talking to Daniel Levy. I hope to be. They've had a meeting with him before. Um, Levy again made it clear there that he wasn't for sale. We've had the Joe Lewis um, stuff about wanting money. Um, I've been told that was more that he was encouraging Levy to to get money for him rather than actually making a demand on him. Because, you know, Joe Lewis does trust Daniel Levy massively. And, and I think he trusts his opinion as well. So if Levy's of the opinion that they should wait, 
you know, I think that's where Joe Lewis, Lewis is going. I think he was just giving his opinion that if it was if it was purely up to him, he would sell. But again, I don't think Joe Lewis would sell at the price that we've seen buying suggesting previously, Toby. I don't think he'd want to sell at 80. Uh, we understand that this um, third bid isn't it from buying is due to come in. It will be a record transfer for them. They're taking it seriously. They believe if they get... See, the thing at the buying end is, Toby, that they think if they get a deal agreed, it's a done deal. German sources believe that Kane's going, it's all agreed, etc. Not that I'm getting pushback on that necessarily, but from people I'm talking to quite close to Kane camp, they're not necessarily saying that it's 100% done in that regard. So it'd be very interesting if it is accepted, what we have, what happens. Does Kane accept the move or does he wait? I still think that's something he's thinking about. So, no, yeah, the meeting today, um, we should know how that's gone within 24 hours. And um, I expect another buying bid. By next time we talk on Tuesday, I expect the record bid will have gone in. Do we think Spurs will want to listen this time around? They haven't wanted to entertain any conversation, really, so far. Um, at a pre-season friendly earlier this week, didn't they? Richarlison scored a hat-trick. I know they weren't playing top-tier opposition, but there is another option at Spurs, who they paid £60 million for, who could, in theory, fill Kane's void if he did go. But what's your gut feeling here, Graham? Are Spurs going to entertain this from Bayern? Or is it just going to be another case of take the meeting, but hey, this is the asking price. You're not going to match it. I I, I do wonder whether we get we see a price come out. I, I suspect it'll be well over 100. If it's 100, I'd be surprised. I think we're looking at more 120. You know, they're going to want a British record here, Spurs, in my opinion. It'd be interesting. And I think it's not just that herd, as we alluded to just then. So I think it's whether Kane actually does want this move now. Or does he wait until January where Agaby won't get a bigger contract offer? We know Spurs are willing to make him the highest paid player in the Premier League. I think that is a consideration for him. You know, that's a big thing for Spurs to make him the highest paid player in the Premier League ahead of Haaland, ahead of De Bruyne, ahead of what Bernardo Silva might get at City. It's a what, would that do, what would that do for Spurs financially, just out of interest? If they did make Kane their highest paid player, how would that affect Spurs' business moving forward? Because that's a big step. It is, but I think um, if it, it it'll it'll mean the need with Kane still there, they'll need to get Champions League football. Do you know what I mean? Which other team in the world and Europe has Champions League football with a player on four hundred thousand pound a week? It's just, it, as part of that expense, they'd need to get in Champions League. I think if that carried on, then he probably would have to go anyway. If he didn't get that, get in there within eighteen months of him signing that deal, so it, it's a tough one. Yeah, you know. He runs a tight ship, though, Daniel Levy. I think finances are in good, in good shape. The stadium is is generating good profits through NFL, through through gigging. There's not many people in the south of England who haven't been in Sutton Stadium for a gig as a, um, recently. Um, and and they haven't, he hasn't sold the name in right yet, Toby, which is going to come. It is, it's going to come sooner rather than later there, and that's going to be a huge amount of profit. So... I think he's got a few a few um, irons in the fire. Not to jump on your West Ham section there. I was going to say that's, that's trademark there. Huh? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I just don't. I I think Terry Kane's in such a strong position. I think if he's an inkling, he could go to Real. He could get a Real Madrid off in January. Why Why would he commit to buying now if he can do it in January? And for me, I don't see why he would. I think he. I think he could happily wait. Tottenham are happy for him to wait. So he's not doing the dirty on Tottenham. They're not doing a... Daniel Levy isn't doing an Al-Khalifi, as we said, throwing his prams, toys out the pram and saying, oh, if you don't sign, um, you're not playing or we won't have to sell you, etc. No, Daniel Levy's saying, look, you can take it to January and within that time frame, we hope to convince you to stay. So I think it's all set up for Kane to stay, Toby. I don't think he'll dismiss buying out of hand. His interesting comments, I can't remember who at Bayern said it. Was it Dresden or Hybert Hainer who said he's... He's he'd be going back on his word if he doesn't join. I know some people in Germany didn't like them comments because they thought that put Kane on the back foot, and and I think they've retracted those behind the scenes, saying, "Listen, no, if you don't join now, we'll come for you in January." I think Bayern are saying that to him. So yeah, I as it stands, I'd be surprised if he leaves now, and but I'd be surprised if he signed a new deal quickly. I think he waits till January and just then weighs up his options, and by that time he'll know whether the Ange project, not necessarily working, but he'll know if it's on the right track. Two less uh, high directors at Bayern to be speaking to the public, isn't there? Hassan Salihamidzic and Oliver Khan 
out of the door, but they do like talking about players from other clubs, don't they, Brian? They've got a proven track record of doing that. Before we move on, a quick line on Sadio Mane um, moving to Al Nasser. Is that accelerating, Graham? We know previously that Mane wanted to stay and fight for his place at Bayern, but I think our line all along is that Thomas Tuchel doesn't really see him as part of Bayern's plan long-term. Club looking to move him on and Mane now receptive to this move rather than his previous stance? Yeah, um, we believe Mane, from, I spoke to people this morning, um, all parties are, are talking. They think it's going to happen. I think um, Bayern are looking to recoup um, a fee of around £37 um, million, Euros, £32 million, pounds, £33 million, pounds, over, over £30 million. Pounds, so it's a very healthy fee for them, for a player they want out. Um, and yes, so uh, the issue was Mane, did he want to move um, away from Bayern? He didn't, but I think Thomas Tuchel has made it quite clear he's not in his plans. They're fairly well covered for that wide forward, because I know obviously they experimented with him down the middle. It didn't work. And so I think if he was a number nine option for them, they'd keep him and, and give it a go. But he's not. And so, yeah, Al Nassar have stepped up. Um, and it's looking close from what I'm told this morning. It's um, pretty likely to happen fairly quickly. Not a bad deal for Bayern. I think they were concerned, weren't they, that they weren't necessarily going to get their money back for Mane. But 37 million euros, as you say, just under £35 million would get Bayern back the money that they paid yeah. Liverpool. So we'll see over the coming days whether or not that move goes through. Uh, we're going to move across London. Uh, let's go to Chelsea, Graham. Trying to bolster Mauricio Pochettino's midfield. They've been trying to do this for a long time. Moises Caicedo has been front and centre of what Chelsea are looking to do. Um, turned away by Brighton with an earlier bid this window. Over the last 24 hours, another bid has gone in. But Brighton, not budging, are they? No, but not. You know, they, they started talking to her in the summer. Um, I think there, there was maybe verbal, verbal communication at 60. It was quite clear that wouldn't get the job done. The first proper bid came in at 70 um, about two weeks ago. Rejected out of hand. Brighton said miles away. Um, it's our understanding, yeah, the last 48 hours, 18 million went in. And, and our sources close to Brighton say it was rejected almost as soon as it was received. You know, this is a club who, you know, they're not they're not dismissing the fact he could leave, but they've got a firm valuation, Toby. This isn't a... Um, there may be a negotiation, but we need to get closer. They want a £100 million deal. So it was £80 million including add-ons. So they're quite a way off still. And the way the market is, you know, it is looking that that's his, that's his value. And it... And Chelsea need this player. You know, they are, to, they are looking at the Romeo Lavia situation still. We will come on to him with Liverpool. But there's a big difference there between the two. And, and you know, everyone is looking at the difference in prices. There's, there's a reason them two are different in prices, Toby. Caicedo, like, I'm not having to go at Lavia. Don't get me wrong, Lavia could be an outstanding player. Caicedo, He's on his way to being world class. He really is. He's a special, special player. And Chelsea know this as well. I think Chelsea. We get on to Lavia again. I think Chelsea pursued both anyway. But I think Caicedo is special. We've said that on the show before, Toby. We think he's got a very high ceiling. Eighty is not enough. I think they'll come back again. Um, will we? I hope we're not talking about Caicedo in the last week in August. I think it might get done before then. But what I do know is Brighton are getting annoyed at this. They really are. But I don't think it'll come to it. They, they can't give him another new deal. I don't think Caicedo will agitate like he did previously, where he, he was almost, well, he was basically going to strike before Brighton gave him a bit of holiday. <laughs> so they negated that, didn't they? <laughs> um, I don't think we'll see Caicedo doing that because I, I think he, he knows the value that Brighton want. And um, I, I think Chelsea will get there. I do. Um, obviously, there's, there's the threat that they can go elsewhere, but Brighton aren't bothered by that because they'd happily keep him. And they've told Deserby has said that, that if the terms don't get met, they'll keep him. And so I, th I think I see sort of accepting that, but he's still hopeful. Do we think this is a situation then where? It is going to run until the end of August, and Caicedo starts the season with Brighton, Chelsea. They've got the money to do it. They can meet Brighton's valuation. We know that. Is it posturing, the reason that they don't want to 
go in are they just they're just trying to negotiate the best deal right and the later it gets in the window do they feel like brighton's stance might soften i'm i think they'll be a bit deluded if they think brighton's stance will soften to a bit because i don't see it i don't think they will will caicedo be on the pitch at the amex against luton town on the 12th i don't think he will be i think they might I think that week leading the opening game, I think that's when we might see it get done. I think Chelsea will want him, not necessarily to play in their opening game, but I don't think they'll want him to start the season with Brighton, and Brighton probably don't either, to be honest, they want it done and dusted. But, yeah, I think the next two weeks might be key for this. I think we might see um, a deal. But I, th- I, think they are, I think Chelsea are going to have to touch on 100 million. If, you know, 80 in add-ons, 90 in add-ons, but achievable add-ons, I think that's what we'll see. Let's do a quick line on Conor Gallagher, uh, linked with West Ham earlier in the week. We spoke about that on Tuesday's episode. Is he likely to stay at Chelsea and fight for his place, particularly if Chelsea aren't able to get Caicedo over the line? Can they afford to let Gallagher go until they've got Caicedo and at least one other in? Well, that's our thinking, Tony. But Chelsea, Chelsea, uh, I wouldn't say they're open to it, but if someone's willing to pay £50 for Conor Gallagher, which is the price, they are willing to sell. That's the word we're getting. That's what we understand. I don't think Gallagher's busting a gut to get out at the moment. Um, with the club's linked, I think he probably fancies Tottenham um, from what we're hearing. But Tottenham aren't paying £50 million for Conor Gallagher. Nobody is. Chelsea, West Ham aren't paying £50 million for him. Um, and that's the issue. Um, and if someone pays that money, they could get him. But I don't think they will. So I think Gallagher will stay. In. I see him having a um, playing, a, playing a, play a big role. I'm if we get Caicedo and, and others, maybe he's not in the starting eleven, but he's definitely in the first 15. Let's fold in Romeo Lavia again. We've mentioned that he's a potential alternative there for Chelsea, but he's the primary target for Liverpool currently. Jordan Henderson's move to Aletifac confirmed on Thursday. Um, that was some 24 hours after he was actually spotted in training with Stephen Gerrard's side for the first time. Liverpool have had one bid turned down for Lavia already, Graham. Um, £35 million, I believe, in, with some add-ons on top. That was flat-out rejected. Southampton looking for a whole lot more. A second bid expected to go in. Are Liverpool going to meet those terms or are they going to try and find a halfway house? Well, I think it's fascinating. I think we'll see if Fabinho confirmed over the weekend. There was a, a little bump in the road with his move with Al-Atihad. That will be completed. And that gives Liverpool real options, you know, in terms of wages, in terms of money to spend. I think they will come in. We did a story on site, Toby, about Liverpool wanting to do this quickly. They are, they are a bit worried by, you know, Chelsea, Arsenal are keeping abreast of the situation. And the best way to stop that is getting in early because they know they've got the things to do. And, um, yeah. Pardon me. I think that yeah, the, what we're hearing is the second bid will come in very soon. Very soon, Southampton holding up for fifty million. Mm-hmm. Sources around the deal think it might get done for slightly less. But yeah, Liverpool are fan favourites. There is speculation that Lavia said, "Oh, it's Liverpool or nothing." I'm told that isn't true. Or, or if you'll notice over this whole process, Lavia hasn't really come out and said, "Oh, he hasn't done a Mason Mount and said." X or nothing. I think he's open to the prospect of any. You know, he he wants to join a big club, and all clubs in from a big. So um, let's see how much. I think it's a sensible way of approaching it. You know, who who wants me the most? And uh, at the moment, it's Liverpool, uh, and they they're in poor position to get him. Uh, be a fascinating move. You know, I do wonder if we do still see. Um, I still think it's an interesting Gravenberg uh, buy him, but maybe he he's available on loan. Is Lavia? experienced enough to to warrant a start at Liverpool. So it wouldn't surprise me, you know, with Fabinho and Henderson out now, Toby, it wouldn't surprise me to see another two. And that'd be four new midfielders, but they've certainly got the money for it now. They've certainly released the wages. I was just going to ask, is there any other business that Liverpool have got planned? Uh, Alexis McAllister already in, Dominic Soboslai from RB Leipzig. Lavia would be number three in the midfield stakes, but I think we've said previously, Liverpool do feel a little light, even with Curtis Jones potentially stepping up this season. Are there any other issues that Liverpool are looking to address? Because we haven't really seen any links with defenders, nothing really up front. Liverpool very well stocked 
in that department, despite Firmino, uh, Roberto Firmino, sorry, his departure to Al Ali. Anything else on Jurgen Klopp's radar, or do you think he would be happy to start the season with Lavia and possibly one more? I think a defender is on the radar, Toby, because with Fabinho, you're losing someone who could play centre half as well. So I think they are looking at defenders. It's interesting. I think Connor Bradley has has beaten Calvin Ramsey to that understudy role, um, and he's a very good player. Connor Bradley, I like him a lot. He he could get a chance. But I think a centre half is on their radar. Wouldn't surprise me to see him get a left footer. Um, to to add to their options, but yeah, as a summer midfielder, wouldn't surprise me um, if it did that as well. Because you know, as well as the players we talked about there, Toby, they lost Milner, Oxley Chamberlain, Naby Keita, Fabio Cavallo's gone out on loan. <laughs> they really have stripped it back, and I still wouldn't be surprised if Thiago went out to Saudi. So, still a bit of business at Liverpool to be done. That's for sure. Okay, well, let's move from Liverpool to their fierce rivals, Manchester United. Um, feel like we've been going around in circles with Rasmus Hoylands for the past six weeks or so. Atalanta's price point, pretty well known. They're looking for at least 70 million euros as a minimum, which equates to around 60 million pounds. Uh, Manchester United, a bid went in, Graham, on Wednesday, I believe. So we actually haven't covered this on the podcast yet. They've made a bid of £51.4 million, pounds, so that's around €60 million Euros in total, broken down into 50 plus 10. But over the last 24 hours, some rival interest from Paris Saint-Germain for Hoyland, a bid from them, a bit lower. What's happening here? Hoyland wants United. United want Hoyland. Still not done. Have PSG got a chance of interfering here or is... Do you feel like there's not really any legs in that move? I think the PSG bid was made, but I'm not sure if it wasn't at the same time or slightly before United. Um, and, and PSG are also in for Goncalo Ramos, as we know from Benfica. So I think they're just looking at assessing their options, really. Yeah, the player wants to come to United. United aren't too worried, from my understanding. They think they're going to get him. This one's progressing. And the big news overnight from Atalanta's have signed Hoyland's replacement. El Balal Touré is going in there, club record of 31 million euros. Um, <coughs> to beat an Everton to him. Everton tried to put together a deal, Toby, that we're told they wouldn't have started payments until 2024. <laughs> so um, just highlights Everton's issues at the moment. Um, so no, the El Balal Touré is going in there, which is good for United um, as well, because you know now they're, they're not really... Not that they couldn't afford to keep Hoyland, of could, but they've made plans away from him. So I expect Hoyland, we're told Ten Hag wanted him in by the start of August. Could that happen by the start of August? Mm, I think we'll see it accelerate by then. Maybe not done and dusted, but it, it, it's almost certain that it'll be in for United to, before United's opening game of the season. Interesting note from Ten Hag after the Real Madrid friendly, which United lost 2-0. He said after the game, United are working 24-7 to sign a new striker. I think we can piece two and two together and work out that Hoyland is that striker that he's referencing. This bid, Graham, do we think Atalanta are going to counter? Um, could they meet United in the middle, potentially? We saw United manage to drive Andre Onana's price down a bit from Inter, from what they originally wanted. Do you reckon there's a, a meeting point here between United and Atalanta? A little bit. I think United will go. I'm, to, I'm told they probably will now. I understand they will get close to the 70 million euros. But yeah, maybe like 65. But there's a deal there to be had. The talk. I said the, the first bid wasn't the that bid wasn't accepted, but talks didn't. It was just talks continue. So it wasn't. It wasn't like the Brighton Caicedo situation. These two clubs are still locked in talks. They're not far away, uh, and we'll see. Um, you know, United are busy trying to get rid of players as well. But with this Hoyland one, he's the main he's the main transfer target right now, which they're trying to do whilst trying to do others as well in terms of exits um, and a few of the ins. But yeah, Hoyland's the main one, and yeah, we think. But maybe by the time we talk Tuesday, I'm I'll be sort of confident next week. At some point next week, not sure which pod, what we'll be talking about Hoyland being agreed. Outgoings wise. Uh, one of the players that you're alluding to there is Fred. If he leaves, as we we know United want to move him on, really, he's one of the players that Eric Ten Hag's looking to let go. Interest from Galatasaray, they've had an opening bid rejected, but talks on going there, Graham. United, if they do let him go, still looking to replace him. Uh, Sofian Amrabat from Fiorentina, incidentally a Liverpool target previously, 
um, another one who could fill that midfield void. United began negotiations with Fiorentina earlier in the week. That's ongoing. Do you think that's a deal United will actively look to conclude if Fred goes? Yeah, I think they'll just be safe where um, they want Fred out. His wages and primarily out the door. Got Tassarai quite close. I think he fancies it. They won the league last year. Um, they're back on top in Turkey now. So I think he's a, he's someone to want and they're working hard on. Um, I think that will get done, um, Fred. Um, and that will lead to Amrabat. Um, I think Home Madrid are want to watch on Amrabat. They still like him a lot. They're still they're missing out on Verratti because he's going Al Halal. Um, and so and, and they like Hoiberg. So yeah, it's it's not hundred. I'm told it's not hundred percent. I think the English sources believe Amrabat is closer to United than some. But I think United, yeah, are in a good position with Amrabat and Fred. Um, our understanding is, yeah, um, could be a one-off to watch over the weekend, Fred. I think it could be move quite close. We could see him at the at the. Uh, the airport in Istanbul quite soon, um, and and that's there with the rest of United. I, I think if United Toby like move Martial on, you know, and, and Van der Beek, we might see them look for another forward as well. I said keep United Mohamed Kudos etc., who's attracting interest as well. Um, I think United's business is not it is the the immediate business isn't centered around sales, but I think a future business might very well be. Is there any interest in Anthony Martial? United would like there to be, but is there any? I think I talked to Scott on on last pod or off pod that um, I'm sure United have got um, a jet with the um, destination of Riyadh um, already uh, mapped <laughs> in there, ready to take him. Um, I'm surprised. I, I haven't heard too much. I think I think he's been offered there. It wouldn't surprise me to see Anti Martial in the Saudi Pro League by the end of August. It wouldn't surprise me at all. It really wouldn't, TC. Um, yeah, it's it's one to watch, but yeah, I, 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 in fact, you know, it depends on Marshall and the player. If he thinks he's got a future at Man United, obviously, I don't think many people at Man United do, but if he does, um, he's one of these players, isn't he, where he won't be told what to do. Um, we'll see how that transpires. I'd be surprised if he isn't become a, if he doesn't become a strong target for the Pro League in the coming weeks. We're over 25 minutes into this podcast and we haven't really touched on the Saudi Pro League. So let's do it. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, let's start there. As of Tuesday's recording, the bid from Al-Halal, world record bid, £259 million, I believe, €300 million. Submitted, accepted by PSG, Mbappe wants Real Madrid. Al-Halal flew into Paris, didn't they, Graham, to try and try and negotiate. What happened? Um, this negotiations were successful, TC, because they came into Paris and they got Marco Verratti. Um, <laughs> <laughs> deal over the line. Um, outstanding signing, you know. But we did touch on that in the last podcast. Um, anyone who's listening will remember, we did allude to the fact that Verratti isn't happy. And, and obviously... Um, then the then the information came out that Mbappe had been left up to Japan. Didn't like the MR treatment, so it wasn't a surprise. Anyone listening to the last pod won't be surprised to hear that Verratti is now heading out. In terms of Mbappe, yeah, he, do, he doesn't. As it stands now, it, this may it may change. You know, he may have a sudden change of heart over the weekend. He has no intention of going to Saudi. He doesn't want to talk to him. He's only, We know he's only got one club in his mind, Real Madrid. They're keeping their powder dry at the minute. Florentino Perez is acting. Um, really mature at the minute and you know that, that's a real Real Madrid really are the, the 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 statesmen of European football now aren't they you know the way they operate they, Perez has taken such a leaf out of Ancelotti and Ferguson's books of you know and I know I know personally he spoke to Ferguson about the the legacy that he had United he wanted that at Real Madrid he wanted that just the pure the pure class not just who's on the pitch but off it as well and that's what we see now from Real Madrid. They really are the class operators in world football, aren't they? You know, there's no one, Wani Califat, Man City aside, maybe. There's no there's no better run club than Real Madrid at the moment. You know, the way the um the way everything's falling in place for them, it's not just a coincidence, it's not just luck. And I think I said we loot if I, I haven't heard anything. Saudi Real Madrid are really keeping quiet on this. I suspect they may come in with a late bid. We're hearing reports from fans that PSG still want 200 million euros um, or, or something like that for Mbappe. Well, good luck with that. You're not, you're not going to get it off anyone in Europe. You're not going to get it off Real Madrid. You know, it, it'd be crazy to even think about that. And um, I don't think Mbappe, 
I think Mbappe isn't necessarily pushing for Real Madrid this summer because he knows the big offer is coming in January. If obviously the cap, they're not allowed to have made the offer at the at the moment. PSG think they have. PSG think there's an agreement in place that has been denied from Real and Mbappe's side. But yeah, um, but back to the Pro League. Yeah, you won't be seeing Mbappe in the Pro League anytime soon. Um, that's the current stance. Will he take a six-month loan there? I wouldn't necessarily rule that out massively, Toby, if he wants to keep fit. Do we see him playing there from August to December? I wouldn't say 100% no. I don't see it, but, you know, um, they could offer some even more money than what he's been offered, Toby. So I wouldn't necessarily rule it out completely. But as it stands, he's got no intention of going there permanently um, to Al-Halal. This is pure guesswork on our part. Say Mbappe is still at PSG at the beginning of the season. What do you think the reception will be like at PSG's first home game? Their fan base notorious for protesting, making their feelings known. Will their anger be directed towards Mbappe for running his contract down and potentially leaving for free? Or will it be directed towards Nasser Al-Khalifi for how he's handled this? And the fact that he's kind of backed Mbappe into an unmanageable corner. That there's no way that this relationship can be repaired from the background, from where we're sitting. Who are they going to turn on? It's a fascinating question, Toby. We know we've seen him turn on Neymar recently um, and Mbappe a little bit in the past. I think I'll, I think we'll know what PSG will be trying to do. And <laughs> um Short of unfurling a Mbappe... Mbappe out banner himself. I think we know which way he'll be looking for the ultras to go. I think there'll be a split, Toby. You know, I think I think the the fans. How can you? How can the PSG fans really have that much of a issue with with Mbappe? Um, he's given that club everything. You know, he he's, he gave him. A, we all know he made a huge mistake in not taking Real last time. He's given him at least another season. It hasn't worked. The shirts they should be thankful. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I think there might be split. I think there's going to be some dissenting voices, obviously, against Mbappe and the situation. I imagine it might be more towards Real and Perez that they'll they'll take the, the anger out on. Maybe Toby. I think there might. I think that might be a a nice alternative to having to go Mbappe and Khalifa. They might turn their attention to Perez and Real Madrid. Fascinating stuff. It's never a dull moment at PSG. I think that's something we can definitely agree on. Uh, one hell of a job as well for Luis Enrique to take on this summer. But I guess if there's any manager who's got a background of being in difficult situations, it's perhaps Luis Enrique. He didn't have it all his own way at Barcelona. Certainly had some issues while managing the Spanish national team. But we'll move on. Uh, let's talk Arsenal, Graham. Uh, big spenders this summer. Kai Havertz, Durian Timber, British record fee for Declan Rice. Pre-season, they've looked good in patches. They beat Barcelona 5-3 in a quite a bruising, friendly encounter uh, over in the US. But they'd actually looked pretty toothless in the game before that against Manchester United, a game that they lost 2-0. They're still looking to add to their squad, Graham, even though I think Mikel Arteta did allude to the fact that having a squad of 30 players is borderline unmanageable so he's hinted there that there's going to be further departures from Arsenal but they are looking at a Brazilian lad Botello we've reported on this on the website and also spoken on previous pods is that still happening and if so who are they competing with for his signature yeah that it's progressing Toby it's gone a bit slow I think obviously Arsenal have had other Issues they've been dealing with. Um, it's not an expensive deal. Um, Graham, you're looking for ten million euros deal. Um, it's one. It's a deal that um, Eddie's picked out. They really want the player. They like him a lot. They've done their homework on him. I think that Arsenal believe they are favourites for him. But there is interest from elsewhere, as you say, Monaco, Porto, Zenit, Saint Petersburg. We know Russia's still a, a rich landing spot for the Brazilians um, who do well over there. So they haven't got it all their own way. But yeah, Arsenal still confident about getting him. And he's a fascinating player. I think he's, you know, could be seen as an upgrade on a on a on a Trossard or a Fabio Vieira. You know, it, it, there are a few squad players that Arsenal need to go out. Um, you know, 
Um, the Congo is Sammy the Congo still there? He hasn't gone out yet. Um, is Tavares still there technically? Rob Holding, there's quite there's quite a lot of squad players at Arsenal who they will be eager to move on. There is they've got a big squad there, but um, of those, if he's got 30 lads there, I'd say there's a good half dozen who he would happily drive to the airport himself. So, um, I think there is room for Botello here, and you know, it's not an expensive deal, he's not gonna be on huge money. Um, they think it could be another Martinelli, so why not? You know, you, you take your chance and. Is it is it another Marquinhos who was loaned out? I don't see it with this guy because he's twenty three, Toby. So I think they're thinking he's going to impact, but they might loan him out till January or something. So um, yeah, Arsenal hoping to get this guy over the line, but I still I still think they need to do a bit, Toby. I still think they need another forward. Personally, um, we've seen linked to Eli Wahi, um, West Ham target, um, Chelsea target. Um, I do wonder if they look at that as a possible option as well. Um, Obviously, we haven't had the too many clues from Kai Havertz in his position, have we, during the pre-season? Um, he's played a bit in false nines, etc. But um, I, I still think, and obviously the main one, Balogun still hasn't gone yet. So I do wonder once we see Balogun leave, um, will will Arsenal pursue a forward? It wouldn't surprise me. Just having a look at Arsenal's squad as you talk there. Cedric Suarez, uh, right back, <laughs> formerly of Southampton, still on the books. Nicolas Pepe, don't forget, back at the club after his loan spell last season. So there is work to do for Arsenal. That Arguably seven or eight players could leave on permanent or loan deals. Um, just on Balogun, before we move on, Inter in the running for him. It's kind of gone a bit quiet over the last week or so. It's felt that way at the very least. Arsenal want a lot of money for him. Is that potentially what's holding up any progress with him leaving? Or is it the fact that they're on tour and that's why it's slowed down? A bit of both. I think, you know, Arsenal uh, not quite shoving them out the door. I think it's really, Bal- Bal- you know, Balogun wants to go get his first team football. Um, I think if he thought he was next in line ahead of Nketiah, he, he might be tempted to stay. But the chance of going to someone like Inter um, is a huge deal for him, you know, if he can get out. Obviously, Inter, um, canny operators, they don't want to... We saw how long the Lukaku negotiations went on for. This won't be an easy deal. You know, Arsenal want a lot of money for Balogun. Um, this one will go on for a few a few more weeks, but as it stands, yeah, Inter still wants him um, and Balogun wants to leave. Well, we've come to the end of the running order, Graham, but I'm actually going to put you on the spot here. Um, we'll have a little bit of fun for a couple of minutes. Who do you think has had the best transfer window so far, let's start with the big boy clubs. Who's had the best window? It, it's 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 obviously it's obviously it's Arsenal. You know they they've, they've targeted Rice, Timber. I think it's a fascinatingly good signing. It really is. Um, I'm not convinced by Havertz to be honest, but I think Rice and Timber improve it. You got to look at. I think so. You got to look at who's improved. It's not just about spending money. So Arsenal's starting eleven has improved. The other I'd probably highlight would be Aston Villa and, and Newcastle. I think Aston Villa, you know, obviously as you know, I love Paul Torres, I love Musa Diaby, and and, and Telemans, whilst maybe not improving the eleven, it certainly makes that bench a whole lot better. You know, it really does. So I like what Villa have done. And Newcastle, they've only made two signings, and I don't think it's enough. Um, for them personally to make an impact in the Champions League. But I think that massively improves their starting eleven. Tenali and Harvey Barnes, you know, um what say for instance, take Sean Longstaff out and take Almiron or Sam Maximum out. Look at the upgrades there, Toby. That everyone thinks Newcastle being quiet. That starting eleven is uh, is is massively improved. It really is. Any more business to be done at Newcastle? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um Defender, I think Newcastle they've been very particular, Toby. You know, a lot of clubs are if they get anywhere near FFP, the other clubs are going to be jumping up and down, and well, we're making sure they get nowhere near it. I still think Newcastle will will maybe do a decent um, big loan with a mandatory fee. Ideal way of getting through it. We've seen we've seen big deals tonight. They passed Mbappe to Monaco of PSG first instance, wasn't it, to get around FFP. Um, and I think I think Newcastle are looking at this. I wouldn't be surprised if we get another big name in there. More so if we go for a number 10, I think. I don't think they'd waste that sort of deal. Not waste it, but I don't think they'd do that sort of deal on a big centre-half. They're still looking at a centre-half as well. And they have been continuing talks with Livermento, but they're not willing to meet Southampton's asking price. And um, Southampton digging over over more than just Livermento, Toby. 
as we know. Absolutely. James Ward-Prowse, who we're alluding to there. Uh, quick irons in the fire. We'll just mention that West Ham have had an opening offer rejected for James Ward-Prowse. Uh, Southampton wanting a lot of money, potentially double what West Ham's first offer was. So uh, still work to do for West Ham in terms of their Deccan Rice replacement hunt. Although we're doing it, interestingly, too, we do understand that as with Scott McTominay, West Ham are the only, only clubs clubs showing an interest at this moment in time. Interestingly. Indeed. Uh, West Ham have only signed one player this summer, a 17-year-old from Cliftonville. So the supporters certainly helping, uh, certainly hoping rather that uh, business gets underway soon. Just on the theme of good transfer windows, I'm going to support you mm. with Aston Villa. Uh, I think they've done really good business so far. I don't like going back to Brighton, but I saw a bit of Brighton's game against Brentford a couple of nights ago. Uh, Jao Pedro looked very, very impressive up front. They've signed him from Watford this summer for, I think, just shy of £30 million. I think he's going to be an excellent addition. They've got James Milner, who's gone in. Um, but I think, arguably, their best recruit could be Simon Adingra, Graham, who's returned from a loan spell away at Brighton's sister club, Union St. Gilloir. I've absolutely butchered that name, but he did all right there. Well, he I'm looked, sure he looked electric against Brentford. Yeah. Any night, I'm in fan. Obviously, we did that story in May, and we did talk about it on the podcast where they, they were rejecting Bundesliga offers for him, Toby. So, any regular listeners will be aware of his name. We did the story back in May that um, Brighton had, he's attracted serious interest. But obviously, as we said at the time, Brighton already knew what they had. <laughs> it's not a coincidence, is it? They know what they're doing with this boy, and he's um, he looks an exciting talent, Toby, doesn't he? Looks like, well, he kept Matoma out of the team for that particular friendly. I know that that was rotation, but if he is as good as he showed in that 60 minute cameo, he's trodden the same path as Matoma, the same uh, route to the club. He has. Um, on the flip side, Graham, who are you concerned for after this summer transfer window? Maybe we can start with Everton. <laughs> They've missed out on El Balal Torres, you've said earlier yeah. in the show, because they can't afford it. What can Everton afford to do this summer? They had a pretty bleak season last year, stayed up by the skin of their teeth. And this season they've signed Ashley Young for free and they've loaned Arno Danjuma from Villarreal. So no money spent in terms of fees. Is this because of the new stadium build and the fact that they basically can't do anything else? Everything, obviously, and with um, Uzmanov, um, his investments hampered by the um, Russian conflict, etc., in terms of um, policy way beyond over our heads, and we don't know about the accounts and stuff, but Everton have been really hard hit. Yeah, the stadium isn't helping in terms of finances, but, yeah, it's, it's not looking good, Toby. You know, I think Demary Gray, I expect him to be sold. Willie Gnonto, the want, but I'm not 100% convinced that Gnonto wants to go there. They need so much, Toby. They really do. Defenders, midfield. You know, we haven't really seen Amadou Nana linked to many clubs at the moment. I do wonder if uh, if his price comes down, we might see a bit of interest in him. I think there is clubs interested in him, but he's not at the top of many clubs' lists, as we've seen, Toby. You know, like West Ham liked him before, and even they're not looking at him. So, um, I think because they paid a decent amount for him, um, that's pushed his price up massively. And we've got the Premier League tax, as we've spoken about before. Yeah, Everton, there's nothing much to like. I think actually it was a decent signing for them, but there's not much to like. Um, you know, as we've said on the pod before, Toby, I don't, it's not going to be a particularly strong Premier League. You know, Luton and Sheffield United are going down. Let's not beat around the bush. They will be going down. Burnley have got half a chance. They've done some business. But, you know, Everton and, and the like will probably only have to finish above one of, one of these promoted teams um, to stay in the league. So I think they'll get lucky. Um, if they do still put bare skin in their teeth. Um, it's probably the reason we're not seeing Crystal Palace do an awful lot, because we don't need to. <laughs> They've lost Zaha, might lose Elisa. Um, I, I I don't particularly like what Man United have done, Toby. I really don't. I don't like it. Um, I think Onana is good. Um, will Onana replacing De Gea make any difference to Manchester United? As a team, yes. In terms of points, won't make a single difference. Well, yeah, it will not get more points having Andrew and Arne in the team, and that that's uh, that's an actual fact. Wouldn't surprise me if they'll concede more goals with him in, and that's a fact. For me, I think they will concede more. 
the Mason Mount sign just doesn't make any sense to me, Toby. You know, we, we see them now going after Sofrin Amrabat. Yeah, because that's what they need. I think if I I tell you what as well, I was thinking this, Toby. If they do get Amrabat and he comes in and plays to a level we know he can, if he's just a World Cup form, and 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 this I was a bit mystified as to Fernandez getting the captaincy as well, because the first choice in that midfield then is Casemiro and Amrabat. Who, who who's missing out? You're gonna move you have to move Mason Mount to right midfield, right wing, and he wasn't signed to play there. And Fernandez certainly wasn't signed to play there. Um and now and now they're being backed into a corner, as we said previously in the show, on Rasmus Hoyland. I think Hoyland's a massive gamble. I, I, I do, Toby. You know, I, I think they've been better off. They had an interest in Ben in, in Sesco. I think they're better off going for him. I, I'm, I've, I've seen Hoyland play, and he was good for Denmark uh, in that game. I can't remember who it was against. It was against a real lesser team as well. That Denmark game, he scored, was it a hat-trick or two goals in that game? Mm. Um, it, was, it wasn't against a good team, I remember. Um, and no, I'm. I'm. A, I think. I think. He's, I think he's a massive project. I do. I don't see him lead, leading the line, and I just don't think United, as it stands, I know they're going to do more. But even with Hoyland coming in, I don't see a big improvement there, Toby. I think. They're gonna, I think. Uh, I, I just don't see it at, at the moment. I think if I'm, I think I'm about my paper over quite a few cracks of the game because I like him as a player. I think he'll help them a lot. I think I'm about to help them more than Mason Mount will. I'll put my Scott Saunders hat on for a couple of minutes. Um, I think from Onana's point of view, in terms of shot stopping, he's not going to earn United any more points. He He's going to make blunders this season, like David De Gea made blunders. Mm. The upside that was very apparent, even though they lost to Real Madrid 2-0, was that distribution-wise, I know this is all we harp on about, I do think United will be smarter and better with the ball and perhaps a bit more composed. So he might have less to do in that regard and United might pick up more points because of that. Um, Not necessarily because he's going to be making saves that De Gea couldn't make himself in midfield. I don't think I really disagree with you around where Mount fits in. I still don't know the answer to that. I I like him as a player. I I like most of my player. I really do. I just think it was the wrong club for him. Toby, I, don't, I, I, I didn't see the... Uh, I think there was better fits for him, but obviously he made that choice. So um, I just think that was a strange one for both parties, really. I think it will very much depend on how forward-thinking United are going to be in their press this season. I think Mason Mount adds a lot to any team's pressing game. We've seen that with Chelsea in the past. He's been a very hard worker for England. I think if Eric Ten Hag wants to push him Kind of up front when United are out of possession, I can see Mount doing a, but the thing, a good job the thing in that role. The thing is, Toby, if they've got Rashford on the left and Hoyland through the middle, you you need someone you need someone really productive on that right. If Fernandez is in midfield, fair enough. But I don't. Who do you play? Do you play Anthony or Sancho? I think he'd be more inclined to play play, play the creator, which is um, which is Anthony or, or Sancho personally to to give that ball into to Rashford and to. Um, Hoyland, I don't, you know, Mount. He's not one to get the ball and put a deep cross in. All of he's not a Beckham player, is he? So I think that's a slight issue they've got. I think the thing for United is that they want options, right? And we've mm. seen Bruno Fernandez even crop up on the right hand side. He improves the squad. The Mason Mount improves the squad, no doubt. But also when we were talking about those teams, it's a starting eleven. It's a starting. I look at the starting elevens, and um, as it stands, I don't think United have been even with Hoyland in. Yeah, dog. Okay, he's, a, he's an improvement on Vegas. He is, to a certain extent, not massively though. Well, we don't have to wait too long to find out how much of an improvement. Uh, the Premier League starts two weeks today. Burnley against <laughs> yeah. Manchester City at Turf Moor. I'm not sure I'm ready for it. In all, uh, in all honesty, Graham. But transfers. Well, I'm be, yeah, continue. I'm delighted. As you know, Toby, I'm a big fan of Turf Moor. Um, on the games I cover, I get to cover the northern ground, so I'm delighted to because I hope to be there on the Friday night. Um, parking, parking in the uh, the Burnley cricket ground. Um, we think of Jimmy Anderson when we go there. He started and, there, didn't he? Did he start at Burnley? Is he a Burnley fan, Jimmy? Well, he's known as the Burnley Lara, isn't yeah, he? So, um, split, it must be. Yeah, I hope to be there on the Friday night. I think it'd be a fascinating. Fascinating contest, um, Vincent Company taking on Man City, but uh, Burnley are interesting. I think they've done okay so far. Burnley, um, I'm surprised they haven't tried to get Howard Bellis back yet, but um, yeah, of the party teams, they've done by far the better business. But I think to be fair, they're on a different trajectory to the other two. I think the other two were just building for the championship in 24 25. 
Yes, indeed. I think there's a, uh, a realisation or an expectation from Luton and Sheffield United that they're going to struggle this season and they've accepted it. Um, likely to go down, but hey, we said that about Bournemouth last year and look what they managed to achieve. Anyway, Graham. Not, 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 all, not all of us, Toby. Not all of us said that about Bournemouth. Remember? Oh, I'm not sure. I when, have, when you, I, what I, stage I of the season your support I. came in for them? I know well, you enjoyed actually, how they played. but Yeah, I think it was that Leeds. It was that Leeds game where I saw my, where I saw my friend Marcus Tavernier playing and they just played some of the Best football I've seen last season. So, but again, um, good. To, I don't see them um, struggling this season. That uh, fascinating that left back they've signed, Toby. Um, the the boy from Kerkesh. Yeah, who yeah. was on? I'm told was on West Ham's radar, Toby. He was decent in the uh, Conference League clashes, or in the first leg, he was dangerous, and then. Luckily for West Ham, he was ruled out in the second. But anyway, Graham, thanks very much for your time today. Uh, a thank you for listening. If you're still with us, 15 minutes deep into the podcast. Quick reminder, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, to please subscribe to the show on all of your major podcast platforms. And if you do want to follow us on social, you can do so at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey. For 90 Min, it's at 90 Min underscore football on all of our social platforms. And if you want to read any of the stories that we've spoken about today, you can do so at 90min.com forward slash talking transfers. We'll be back uh, in four days time on Tuesday for another talking transfers. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Bye for now. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.